So I once heard a pastor uh, tell a story about uh, his wife's incredible gift for hospitality. Uh, when anyone was invited to their home, she would give them the royal treatment. She loved to bake and cook and just provide just a dynamic and wonderful welcoming experience. But he said, if a stranger came up to their door and said, hey, can I join you for dinner? She'd be like, no. Uh, so while some people who have the gift of hospitality might be, yeah, let's come in and meet you. She was like, she was the mama bear and she was protecting her family at that point. But if that exact same stranger came to the door with one of their kids, then she'd be like, oh, come on in. We've got all, this. I'll make extra food for you. And they'd treat them like they were part of the family and experience the royal treatment and the deep welcome, warm welcome. And so that is a picture and a reminder for us as we turn our attention to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 today, where we learn that Jesus is our great high priest and that with Jesus, we get to approach God without fear and with great confidence. He ushers us in to his Father's feast and we feel welcome and privileged. But apart from Jesus, there's God wants everybody to come in and experience this feast that he's preparing. But if we rebel and resist, we don't get to come in and experience his rest or his feast. And that's what the writer to the Hebrews has been talking about in chapters 3 and 4. As the writer to the Hebrews has been reminding them of their history. And saying, remember back when God brought us out of slavery and he rescued us and he saved us. And he, he was trying to establish us in the, in the promised land. And he gave us a chance to see what the promised land was like. And to know that he wanted us to live there. But we didn't believe him. And so we wandered around through the desert and the wilderness for 40 years. And all the people who said, no, we can't trust God for this, didn't get to enter into his rest. And so the writer of the Hebrews says, but notice that in the Psalms, much later, after that experience, God still invites his people to come and experience his rest, that the invitation is still open. He's still preparing a place for us. And as long as today is called today, as long as there's life and opportunity for us to hear and receive this invitation, we can trust him and experience the splendor and the wonder of all that he wants to give us. And so the writer of the Hebrews says, because of that, we want to hold close to Jesus. We want to hold tightly to this faith that we confess and profess so that we can experience that all, we can experience all that God has for us. And so these three verses kind of bring a concluding thought to this argument and help us take a like, close look at who Jesus is, what he's done, and what it means for us. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning, and we just pray that you would prepare us to hear your voice in these words as we turn our attention to your word this morning. Father God, I pray that the, the words from my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you. And I pray that they would be meaningful and helpful for your people. Lord, we want to hear you speak, and we thank you so much that you give us your word, that we can study it 
and understand it. That we can recognize your voice in our lives and recognize what you're calling and inviting us into. And we pray that you do that today, that you draw us close, hold us tight, and bring us in so we can see you, believe you, and experience more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus is greater, and as we turn our attention to Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, we read, Therefore, in light of all these things that we've just reflected on and that I quick gave a quick summary to, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize or empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then, in light of all this, approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So the letters of the Hebrews is unique in the New Testament. There's not really anywhere else that we find this idea of Jesus serving as our great high priest. There are hints of it in some of Paul's letters, but he never really develops the concept, but it's this core concept in the letter to the Hebrews. It seems, as I, so I, I've been reading uh, a book by Ruth Hoppen, who's a scholar trying to understand who the author to the Hebrews is and who the people are and where they are in the world and all this stuff. And it seems from the themes that are in Scripture, themes that are in Hebrews, that these people uh, have been influenced by the Essenes, uh, which is kind of a spiritual tradition. Um, and that matters because the Hebrews to which she's the, the author is writing then uh, has se seems to have developed either an idea that there are to be two messiahs, a perfect high priest and a kingly messiah, savior, or that somehow they have this unique perspective that the messiah that God would send would be both of these prominent roles together. And so the writer of the Hebrews is writing to these people uh, and you may remember, and we see clues throughout the letter, that the person who's writing this letter used to live in the same place. They were ministering with these people, and they know them well. And so they're just pouring out their heart as they're seeing all these things that are kind of attacking the, and distracting these people that they care about. And so the writer of the Hebrews is saying, look, Jesus is the one, the only one, who comes with both these roles that you've been expecting and anticipating. And he is the perfect representative, the perfect fulfillment of all of God's promises. And so as we reflect on that, we, we want to learn more about what it means that Jesus is our high priest and understand what that means for us personally. And so the first thing we notice is that Jesus is our perfect high priest. And as we understand that, the first thing we need to be reminded of is, first of all, that we need a high priest. 
See, the writer of the Hebrews is writing to people who have come to faith in Jesus out of Judaism, but now they're being distracted and threatened, and so their lives are kind of on the line as Jesus followers, and so people are saying, oh, just downplay that. Just kind of, Jesus isn't as cool as you thought he was. It's not as necessary. Just kind of go with the flow and protect your lives. And in addition, they're also being tempted to say, hey, come back to the old ways. You know our traditions. They're ingrained in us over centuries, and it'd be so much easier, so much better if you just did what you were used to. It's the writer of the Hebrews. So these people have this Jewish heritage and all the sacrifices and the sacrificial system are part of what they know. And while it's possible that some of them became numb to it and just didn't really pay attention to it anymore, it was religious routine, the fact remains that it would be nearly impossible to blow off the impact of our sin when day after day, year after year, you experience the blood of animals as animals are sacrificed. The smell of the burning incense, another representation as it filled the synagogue or the temple, that our sin comes at a cost and that we can't solve that problem on our own. That we are in fact separated from the God who loves us and invites us to experience Him and experience rest in Him. We need a high priest who will stand before us and mediate for us and bring us into the presence of God safely. And so the writers of the Hebrews in this short passage describes some powerful truths about Jesus. First, the writer says, our great high priest, saying, Jesus is a much better high priest than the high priest that came from Aaron. So, uh, high priests... Uh, in the, among the people of Israel, it was hereditary. So it, it was passed down like a monarchy. You had to be a descendant of Aaron in order to be a high priest. But they had to continue to offer sacrifices again and again and again and again. And they had to sacrifice for themselves as well as for the people. And so the writer of the Hebrews says, we have a great high priest way better than the old system. Don't go back to that old system where you have to do this again and again. Jesus is the perfect high priest and his sacrifice worked once and for all. Then the writer says, we have a great high priest who's ascended into the heavens. You see, the high priest was the one person that had the privilege and the responsibility in the temple or the synagogue to walk into the Holy of Holies, past the curtain, where the Ark of the Covenant was, into the very presence of God. That high priest was the only person who ever got to do that, and there were... Anyway, I, I'm not going to lie and say what is floating. Uh, sorry. I wouldn't lie to you anyway. I'm not going to say what I just thought because I'm not sure I can verify it. So there we are. Um... <laughs> The high priest was the only one who could go into the Holy of Holies. But the writer of the Hebrews says Jesus is even better than that. He doesn't just go into the Holy of Holies in our earthly temple. He's ascended into the heavens. He's actually at the right hand of God the Father right now. 
sitting in victory. He's where God is. We can trust him. We don't have to go back to the old ways and we shouldn't run away from him because he is great and he's in heaven now. Then the writer of the Hebrews names this great high priest as Jesus, son of God. So again, we have this hint that Jesus is even better than those priests in the line of Aaron because he wasn't only a human mediator between God and his people, but he was the son of God. God himself, God's very essence. And so human, yes, he took on flesh, but he was also divine. Which means that he can accomplish his goals and his sacrifice perfectly, powerfully, beautifully, once for all. That he has the freedom to offer the sacrifice because he is a person, a human being. He can offer it on behalf of the people, but he's also God himself. And so when he offers it, he offers it for all the people, for all time. So the writer of the Hebrews says, in light of all that we've just reflected on, in terms of all that we remember from our past, in this invitation that God continues to cast out, to say, come, be with me, join me in my rest. As long as today is called today, there's an opportunity for us to follow him. The writer of the Hebrews says, in light of all that, in light of how perfect and awesome Jesus is, is our greatest high priest, the one and only, the truest high priest, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess because there's nothing like it. Then we're reminded that Jesus is like us and he's not like us. The writer of the Hebrews says, we don't have a high priest who can't empathize with, with us, but instead we have a high priest who's experienced every temptation, every challenge we have just like us. But unlike us, he lived totally pure, totally innocently with no sin. And so this is another dramatic contrast to the role of the human high priest, the descendant of Aaron. You see, in order to perform his duty, the high priest had to be ceremonial, ceremonially clean. That was really easy for me to say. I said it much easier the first service. But uh, he had to protect his cleanliness for ceremony uh, in order to be ready to do whatever he was called on to do as the servant of God, as he led worship and things. And the only way to protect that was to not be involved with other people. The high priest couldn't ever leave the sanctuary properties. He lived separate from all the other people because any interaction with sinful people would make him ceremonially unclean and he would have to go through a ritual of cleansing in order to be prepared to do his work again. And so the high priest in the order of Aaron was lived a separate life from the people who needed his work to be accomplished. In addition to that, over the, especially the intertestamental period between the Old and New Testament, uh, during the time of the Maccabees, the role of the high priest became more and more political 
And there was more kind of even military power associated with it sometimes. And so more and more it became, by the time Jesus came on the stage, the high priest was this kind of powerful and righteous role with somebody who is removed from the people. So the writer of the Hebrews says, Jesus is a way better high priest than the one we had from the descendants of Aaron. Because the descendants of Aaron couldn't even be near us. They didn't know what life was like for us outside the temple. But when Jesus came, he lived with us. He lived among us. And we see it throughout the Gospels. The Pharisees keep trying to challenge whether Jesus can really be as righteous and good as he claims to be because he keeps hanging out with sinful people. And their high priest would never do such a thing because they would have to guard their righteousness by being separate. So the writer of the Hebrews says, we don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with us. Instead, we have a great high priest, Jesus, who came and experienced life just like we do. He was tempted in every way that we are. He faced every challenge that we face. But, he was not like us. Because where we sin, we're even these high priests in the line of Aaron had to offer sacrifices for their own sins before they could offer sacrifices for the people's sins. We have a high priest who lives among us, who lives with us, and knows what life is like for us, has been tempted in every way, but has never sinned. He maintained his purity, his innocence, and his perfect relationship with God all the time. The old high priests, they couldn't say that. They sinned just like us, even though they were separate from us. But Jesus, our perfect high priest, he knows just what we're going through. And yet, he hasn't succumbed to the temptations. Which leads us to kind of another therefore. A new welcome with Jesus we approach God without fear. We're family. It's just like that hospitality invitation. If, if you're not invited, you didn't come with somebody in the family, you can't get in. If you're like the people from the past that the writer was talking about who resisted God's invitation and lived in rebellion and said, no, we can't trust God, well then, you don't get to come in. But God is inviting you and he's created a path for all of us. That if we trust in Jesus, if we receive him as our perfect high priest, we get to walk right into the throne room of God without fear and with great confidence. It's pretty unique. The king of kings has an open door policy for his family to come into his throne room at any time. You see, throughout our history, we know it even in our own lives. Even though this is true, there are still times that we go before God with kind of trepidation and hesitation. And certainly, as we go with sin in our lives, that's, that's natural. It's true. Like, in the history of the people of Israel, even as God 
rescued them from Egypt, brought them out of the land of slavery through the Red Sea. He met with them at, at, the Mount, at Mount Sinai, where he began to speak with them and establish them as his people, separate them as a unique nation among nations, his special people. But as the people heard God speak, they were terrified. So they eventually went to Moses and said, Moses, you just go up on the mountain. You have a private conversation with God. Then you come down from the mountain and tell us what God said because it's terrifying just listening to God speak. Because His power, His righteousness, His holiness... And his authority is overwhelming. But the writer of the Hebrews says, we have a perfect high priest that's broken down all the barriers that we can approach God without fear and with great confidence. I sometimes use the picture here in my own prayer to kind of like get a sense for who God is and what's happening as I talk with him. Um, and I'll admit uh, the floor in the throne room of God doesn't match anything described in Revelation. Uh, there's always a white and black checker pattern in the marble. Um, so it's not the glorious glass like stuff that you see. So I know it's not biblical, but it's still the picture I have as I enter into the throne room of God. And I picture God sitting on his throne as I move in and share with him what's on my heart. And it helps me get a sense for how awesome it is that God invites us and gives us the privilege that he's king of all kings with all his sovereign power, his holiness and his righteousness that should destroy me. But because of Jesus, I get to enter into his throne room, kneel before him, and say, God, this is what I'm going through and this is what I need. I know you know it already, but I just need to say it to you. Move in me and help me. It's important that we recognize that this opportunity to come into the throne room of God is not just a religious experience. It's not just what we do when we come into the sanctuary. That it's actually a privilege that Jesus gives his people all the time everywhere. That when we're stressed at work, we don't have to figure it out on our own. We get to turn to the God of the universe and say, Lord, I'm really stressed. I'm super overwhelmed. I've, I feel the weight of these expectations from myself and all my coworkers, and I, I don't even know what to do next. Help me live in your peace because I know that that's what you invite me to. That there's a way that even though my rest in you is not perfect yet, like I'm not in heaven face to face with you, still I know you invite me to live in peace and not in anxiousness. Help me take one step at a time. Guide me. Help me be wise in my decisions and get through this day. And I pray that you be honored and glorified as I do it, that I would be a witness to 
what you can do because everybody around me knows how stressful this is. If I can get through this with peace as a testimony to you. When we're sitting in that hospital waiting room, waiting for the results of the test, whether it's ours or someone we care about, knowing that we get to come into the presence of God doesn't make the stress of that situation any easier to bear, really. Like, it's still really intense, and it matters a lot. But we don't have to do it alone. We don't have to figure it out on our own. We get to go into the throne room of God and say, God, you are the great physician. You are Lord over all things. Give me peace and help me know what to do. Prepare me for what we're going to hear. And whatever comes, I know that you have good plans for us, that you want to bring us into your rest. So help me live like that. Whether the news we get is trial or triumph, I pray that you would be glorified by our witness in the way that we respond. Give me the strength to follow. We do it in our relationships. We do it in every situation. We have access to the God of the universe with great confidence and without fear because Jesus has paved the way and if we trust in him, we become children of God. We heard it earlier in, Re- in Hebrews that Jesus is actually happy to give us that place in his family that, to make us siblings and have this kind of collegial relationship with the Son of God. But there's something even more dramatic that we can't miss. That when we turn to this great high priest who didn't just offer a sacrifice but made himself the sacrifice, he is the lamb that was slain. He gave his body and his, shed his blood that we would be forgiven and restored to the God who made us and loves us. And when we trust in Him, when we turn to our great high priest and confess our sin and confess our need for Him, we don't just go to where God is anymore, but we don't, we don't have to go to the temple anymore. He actually transforms us, our body, into His temple and He makes His home in us. So there's never a place that we go where God isn't with us. We don't do anything alone. The high priest in the order of Aaron couldn't promise that. There's no one like Jesus. And it's for you and it's for me. It's for the people we pray for in chat and it's for Everyone. We celebrate it here today through communion. In a bit, I'm going to say it again, but I'm going to say it now. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world so that we would be shamed by our sin, but to save us. He's patient with us, wanting everyone to come to repentance.
got lots of room. He keeps building it and building it and building it so that everyone who responds and turns to Jesus has a place with Him forever. But know this. The rest begins when we begin following Jesus. It changes everything about our lives, our perspective on everything. Because we do everything in the, the context, in the presence of the God who saves. So let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence to receive grace and mercy in our time of need.